If I were not a Catholic, writes the venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, if I were not a Catholic and were looking for the true church in the world today, I would look for the one which did not get along well with the world. In other words, I would look for the church which the world hated. Growing up as a Catholic in the South, particularly in Mississippi, you get this sense that you are not liked, or at least that you are a suspect. I guess I get that sense a little more than you do probably, especially when I walk into Walmart dressed in all black, especially these past few weeks. Since arriving in Greenville, I've been asked to pose for a photo with two separate nurses at the hospital. And on Friday when I was leaving Walgreens, I saw someone parked in their car take out their cell phone to take a picture of me as I was leaving, but that's another story. There is certainly a level of unspoken animosity towards Catholics around here. And I say unspoken because it really is unspoken in all meanings of the term. Most non-Catholics I have met, save for a few extreme examples, are not very vocal about their suspicion of Catholics. In fact, I would wager that most non-Catholic Southerners don't really know why they are suspicious of Catholics at all, other than that is what non-Catholic Southerners are supposed to feel, say, when they pass in front of a Catholic church or when they see a statue of St. Lucy holding her eyeballs on a platter. There's another Fulton Sheen quote that goes along these lines. He says, there are not a hundred people in America who hate the Catholic Church. There are millions of people who hate what they wrongly believe to be the Catholic Church, which of course is a very different thing. Today's Gospel though a continuation of last week's, is really out of context when read separately. And since I know that none of you remember last week's gospel, let me remind you where we are in the story. Christ has just finished his great discourse on the bread of life. This past Sunday, we heard him tell the crowds that he himself was the bread of life and that all who eat his flesh will live forever. And the crowds grumble against him and say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus replies, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Now the Greek text here is a little more interesting, because the second time that our Lord speaks, he sort of turns up the heat by changing the verb that he uses. He doesn't simply say eat, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. He says gnaw. The Greek verb here has the implication of the way an animal might gnaw at a bone from marrow. Certainly not an image that we would expect from Sunday school nice guy Jesus. And of course, accepting the simple oddity of a man seemingly promoting cannibalism, this would be even more outlandish since for the Jews, contact with blood would render them ritually impure. And so it would be really difficult for them to accept the notion that closeness to God could only be gained by drinking blood. So this sort of sets the stage for today's gospel. St. John writes, Many of Jesus' disciples were listening and said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Our Lord has just completed his lengthy discourse on the bread of life, and now the crowds are questioning how anyone could possibly believe him or follow his teachings. He's clearly a madman. And so St. John tells us that many of the disciples departed the Lord and returned to their prior way of life.
But our Lord turns to the apostles and asks them, Do you also want to leave? Peter responds, speaking for the rest of the apostles as he often does, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And here is the meat of today's gospel. Christ is the truth itself. And he has given custody of the truth to his apostles, the words of eternal life. Knowing this, to whom shall we go? It's an unpopular thing in today's society to claim that one person or one group could have access to the ultimate truth. It's a far more common thing to make claims such as every Christian church is really just the same. They just have different ways of doing it. No one wants to be seen claiming that they have the one true faith, that they have the words of eternal life. But this is precisely the claim of the Catholic Church. Not in any sort of bigoted or self-righteous manner, the Catholic Church claims to have the words of eternal life precisely because of this scene in the Gospel and scenes like this throughout all of history. Everyone else hears the hard teaching of the Lord and turns away. But here we see Peter, the first pope, the prince of the apostles. Here we see Peter speaking out in theirs and in our name, Master, to whom shall we go? It's an excellent response. If Christ is truly the Son of God and the apostles are convinced of this fact, then there really shouldn't be a question or even the slightest possibility of their abandoning him. To do so wouldn't simply be wrong. It would be foolish. It would be a complete rejection of a meaningful existence. To do so would be a lie. J.R.R. Tolkien, commenting on his own fidelity to the church, once wrote, I now know enough about myself to be aware that if I should leave the church, I should leave because I did not believe, and I should not believe anymore. I should deny the Blessed Sacrament, that is, call our Lord a fraud to his face. It may not be the most appreciated way to live one's life today, but Christ demands that our yes mean yes and that our no mean no. He isn't asking for lukewarm followers. There's a great line in the book of Revelation where Christ, speaking to the church in Laodicea, says, Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. This is the meaning of the words of St. Paul today in his epistle to the Ephesians. Though a lot of people seem to focus on what St. Paul seems to be saying here about marriage, the entire purpose of his letter in this moment is to communicate an image for the church. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. The church is, of course, the spouse of Christ. That's how the Bible ends, the marriage of Christ and his spouse, the church. Our Lord's love for the church is unending and was expressed most fully in his complete offering of himself upon the cross. That's how husbands are to love their wives, how Christ loved his church, a total gift of self, even to the point of death. And in that context, we can understand the line, wives be subordinate to their husbands. If the church is the spouse of Christ, then we, the members of the church, must submit to our spouse in all things, who is Christ the Lord. This means that at some point, we have to pick a side. This means our Lord is asking us now, do you also want to leave? Sitting here in this room, 
with common faces and alongside fellow Catholics, it may be easy to stand up and call out, Never! Of course not, Lord. We will stay here forever. The apostles probably would have made the same response if they were secluded by themselves in the upper room. But here they stand in this scene before all the doubting crowds when Christ poses the question to them. And they all fall silent. It's only Peter who speaks up, and thankfully speaks up for them as well. We don't always have someone to speak up for us when we are before the doubting crowds. And so we must be ready to speak in our own name, the doubting crowds at the office, at our school, in the supermarket, in the news, and they all had the same voice. Surely you don't believe all these things. There's something you doubt. There's part of you that doesn't really accept the church here. These are hard sayings. Who can accept them? The church is giving us a high standard to meet, yes. But it isn't impossible, especially when we stand together and stand behind what we believe. G.K. Chesterton once said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. When we rise to meet this standard, we stand with Christ, with the tradition, authority, and teaching of the apostles bolstering us on. Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Right now, especially in this country, our faith and our allegiance to the church is going to be tested. There are going to be temptations like never before, not merely to abandon the church because of her teachings or because of her unpopularity. Now there will be a temptation to abandon her because of her failures as well. Right now, and I don't know about you, I can only speak for myself, right now there is an incredible temptation. I can hear the Lord saying to me, do you also want to leave? And I want to say yes. Yes, Lord, I want to get out of this. I want to get away from all this corruption in the church. But I know the truth. And I cannot deny the truth without living a lie, without, to use Tolkien's words, calling our Lord a fraud to his face. The truth that this church, the spouse of Christ, is not composed merely of its leaders. The truth that, yes, she's facing difficult times. Yes, the enemy is clearly having his way with her. And for that reason, and for the reason that our Lord gave his bride, the church, to us to be our mother, for those reasons, I cannot deny her. I cannot go away from her in her moment of weakness. I'm not a Catholic because of anything any pope or any bishop has ever said or done. I'm a Catholic because Jesus Christ gave the words of eternal life to the Catholic Church. So where else can I go? Yes, I'm embarrassed. I'm shocked. I'm angry. I don't have all the answers. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm not lukewarm. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Catholic and I'm a priest and I'm proud of that. I'm not going to stop being proud of that. So when I leave this church this morning, I'm going to leave a proud Catholic. I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to dress all in black. I'm going to let that nurse take the picture with the crazy priest she saw at the hospital. And I hope you'll join me. We have some difficult days ahead. But today I propose to you the words that we just heard from Joshua. If it does not please you to serve the Lord, Decide today whom you will serve. And all together they replied him, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord. We will serve the Lord, for he is our God.